I want to do a little, give you a little nugget before I step into this sermon this morning. Share something with you that I think will be helpful to you. Anyone who is a genuine worshiper ought not have a problem showing it. One who is a believer in the Lord and his goodness should not have a problem verbally stating that and physically showing it. Let me tell you what I mean. We've been brought up in the misinformation that it's okay to be a believer and be silent about it. That's not the case. And the reason it's not the case is because when you are a believer in the Lord and you follow his son, Jesus Christ, not only do you have to let other folks know whose side you're on, but you got to let the devil know whose side you're on. What you mean, Reverend Sparks? Well, the reason why you need to say something, the reason why you need to show something, is because of all the things that the devil thinks he can do, he is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He can't read your mind, and so when you're there and when you're silent, not only do folks not know what's going on with you, but the devil ain't sure what side you're on. But when you say amen, when you let somebody see that you are praising the Lord, you not only confuse the enemy, you make him mad. And so the question becomes, whose side are you on? I understand when people say, I don't have to do all that. Well, maybe you don't have to do all that, but you got to do something. All right, you might not have to jump up and run the pews, but you ought to show some sign that you're on the Lord's side. Yeah, it shouldn't be Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and can't nobody tell whose side you're on. Yeah, you ought to every now and then, if he's been good to you, slip up one finger. You ought to nod one way some Sunday. It may not be every sermon, I'll give you that, but one of these sermons ought to hit you, and you ought to say amen. Some point you got to let the Lord know. And more importantly, let the devil know whose side you're on. Now, you take that for what it's worth. I'm not an amen asking for a preacher. I don't say, say amen, y'all. Yeah, but your life ought to say Amen. Your situation ought to make you say amen. Your circumstances ought to make you shout sometimes. Yeah, some of y'all go through hell all week and sit on it on Sunday. You made it here. You made it through all the circumstances. Let somebody know how good you're being because I might need to know your celebration. I might need to celebrate with you because I know you've been going through something. So let me join in on your praise part. When you come in here, amen. Take it for what it's worth. You'll probably hear me repeat that a few thousand times. So keep on keeping on, keep on showing the Lord whose side you're on. 
I know where all this confusion came from. But it's one of the enemy's secrets. One of the enemy's schemes to keep you quiet. To keep you from telling how good God has been to you. It's one of his schemes. Don't fall into that trap. And if you're, just, if you're in that trap right now, jump out of it. All you got to do is say amen. <laughs> Shout it out loud. Genesis. The beginning of it all. Genesis. When we learn to give ourselves away. Genesis. There is a patriarch of the Bible who teaches us how to serve the Lord. Genesis. Multiple stories that it ought to capture your attention. People always say, if I'm going to start reading the Bible, where would you recommend I start? They ask that all the time. And of course, I always say, well, Genesis is a great place to start. Learn the foundational stories of the Lord. When you get around the 11th and 12th chapter, we find that God is moving on from his original plan. He's moving on to a, another way to identify people for himself. See, because the, the previous ones had messed up. Straight out of the gate, y'all, if you remember. You read Genesis. Right out of the gate, the first family was messed up. Take the time. Go back and read. You'll find out that Adam and Eve messed it all up. They wanted to do things the Frank Sinatra way. They wanted to do it my way, they said. Yeah. That's not how God designed it. But he gave us permissive will. Sometimes we choose things that are not to our benefit. And as you scroll through, you'll see how God gave alterations to our actions to try to bring us back into fellowship with him. And it didn't work. And around the 11th chapter, you'll see that a group of smarter than they thought they were, I mean, not as smart as they thought they were, men decided that they were going to build a tower all the way up to heaven as if they could. I guess so they could peek into God's bedchamber. Of course, the Lord showed them what for on that one. Clearly, that situation was not working. And so God decided he was going to go a different way, Bobby. He, he decided he was going to select a family. One family to use as an example. And that family becomes the foundational family for all of us who are believers. Today, I want to talk about the one who was identified as the patriarch of that family starts in the 12th chapter. He's introduced in the 11th chapter. 17 through 32 introduces him with the rest of his family. But he takes center stage in the Bible narrative. Chapter 12. Let me read it for you. Verse one reads, the Lord said to Abram. Leave your country your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the, to the land I will show you. 
Verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. Verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you and I will place a curse on those who harm you and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. And verse 4 simply says, so Abraham left. He left. The verse reads more, but that's the action point. So Abraham left. Today for a little while, I want to try to teach on this subject, the God of new beginnings. The God of new of new beginnings. We celebrate the turn of a calendar year. We celebrate it because it always brings a reference point for new opportunities, for newness in a lot of ways, not just the turn of a calendar year, but many people take that opportunity to create new opportunities for themselves, to be involved in new activities, to create new options for themselves in terms of self-help in, in terms of self-health, so many things we do because the calendar turn. We do it in our professional lives. We do it in our personal lives. And then we also need to know that if you're going to make changes across the board in your professional and in your personal lives, you do well to also make some changes in your spiritual life, if you have one. In fact, I would suggest to you that you start with your spiritual life. Get your house in order before you start trying to change everything else. And so I ask you today, if you're making these kinds of resolutions, I used to say to people, whether you make resolutions is entirely up to you, and it is. How much time did you spend with the Lord last year? How much time did you spend in your Bible reading? How much time did you spend praying to the Lord. I'm not asking you this to convict you. Well, I am. But while you're talking about losing weight, it's not just physical weight we need to lose sometimes. It's also the burdens that so easily beset us. Did your witness help anybody find Jesus last year? Your conversation, your testimony to them, did you tell anybody how much you love Jesus? I love Jesus. I worship and adore you. Did you silently go through another calendar year? Did COVID take your witness as it impacted your walk? What about your giving? Did you grow in your giving to the Lord last year? Not just giving in the basket or online, e, but did you help somebody? Did you walk past every homeless person you met and say, no, nah, that's a scam? How much did you change last year? And do you have any designs to change this year? Was Bible study a priority in any form? In any form? Was it a priority? So how was your spiritual life last year? And what changes are going to be necessary? to take you to the next level in this calendar year, the next level. 
I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I bet if I did, everybody in here would say, I want to go to the next level. I want to be in a deeper relationship with the Lord. The question is, what am I willing to do in order to get to the next level? You see, all of us stand in this place right now and say, I'm willing to do what I need to do to change. But if the Lord spoke to you like he spoke to Abraham, question is, would you be willing to make the sacrifice that he made? Let me tell you about Abram. Abram came from a family. His father, Terah, had them living in Ur. At the time, he was called. They were living in Ur. And his father had three sons. His sons were living there, I guess, on the homestead, as was the case with them. With his father, with their father. His father had great wealth at the time. So Abram didn't come from a poor family. That's not part of his testimony. All right, as you go through, he didn't come from I want or I need in terms of physicality. But there was something he was missing. And the reason he was missing it is because they lived in an idolatrous nation. Yeah. Idol worship was par for the course in the land that they lived in. And it's interesting to me that even though he lived in this place, there was goodness in him. So Terah, his father, at one point decided he was going to take his children from this land. And that was so idolatrous. I don't know if he had a change of heart. The Bible doesn't speak to that. But he got up, and when he left, he took Abram and his wife, Sarah. And he also took Lot, who was the son, who was the son of his deceased son. As you go through the Bible, you'll find that Abram and Lot were close. But Abram was taking care of his brother's son, who had died before they moved. Haran had died before his father, Terah. His father had taken up to care for his grandson. He also had another son named Nahor. All of these, if you study scripture, all of these men become great in their own right. All of them become special in the course of the Bible narrative. But around the first chapter, first verse of chapter 12, we'll see that God identified Abram as one who is unique. Let me tell you why. His father had gotten up some years before and decided he was going to move the family, as I said. And he got to a place called Earth. And the Bible say, it says, and they settled there. They settled there. Father wanted to do better, going to a better land. But he got to a midway point. And he stopped. And he stopped. And I started thinking, how many of us have done the same thing? We got up one day going to do better. And before we could get to do better, we got to a place and we stopped. We stopped at that place. And we found ourselves in that place year after year, still trying to get to do better. But becoming comfortable in the place that we have settled in. You know how easy it is for a place to become familiar, even if you don't like it that much. It's still, still familiar. 
And that becomes the challenge, I think, for Abram. When God comes to him in verse 1 of chapter 12 and says, get up and leave your country. Now watch this. How many of you would have the courage to simply follow God's direction? He said, get up where you live, leave. And then he makes it particular. He says, leave your country. He said, leave your relatives, all the folk you know. Think about how your life is intertwined on a day-to-day basis. Even if it's a place that you're not very fond of, all your folks are there. And then he said, and leave your father's family and go to a place that I'm not going to even tell you the name of. Go to that place. How many of you are willing to step out on that kind of faith in order to do what the Lord said? I'll say this to you. Not many folk are going to run to get in that line. And the reason is, no matter how much you don't like the place you live in, it's still home. Still has some level of familiarity. You still get used to it after a while. Come on now, you know how... How many of y'all know the feeling of moving from one place to a new place and how awkward it feels when you first start driving around and you you say to yourself, I I can't find my way around this place. These roads are backwards. I don't even know how to read the roads and and I, I don't know how to get from point A to point B. It's taking me too long and then before long, it's become familiar. You've learned how to do it. You've learned how to navigate. Not only does it feel familiar, It feels almost right, even though it felt wrong when you got there. It's become so familiar to you that it feels all right to you. But you're still not in the place that you wanted to be. And you're not in the place that was designed for your purpose to be revealed in life. And yet you're comfortable. I heard one preacher say you get stuck in a rut. And you just rock in there. In that place. Maybe that was 2021 for you. Maybe you got to a place in 2021 where you were stuck in some places that you didn't feel good about. Maybe 2021 was a place for you where God uh, uh, didn't give you the direction to move to another location or do anything. Maybe he did. Maybe you just didn't move. Maybe you just stuck in that rut. But I can tell you, it wasn't because God wasn't doing new things. Because God was still doing new things last year, David. God was still blessing babies and babies being born and marriages were still going on. And love was still in the air, even though other stuff was floating in the air, too. Love was still in the air. People still getting together last year. It just might not have come down your street the way you wanted it to. Maybe you were familiar where you were, but God was still in the blessed business. Yeah. He was still converting people. Children were finding the Lord. People who didn't know the Lord, who were in other religions, were converting last year. Yeah. People who were thinking about harming themselves found a new way to accept themselves and and are doing okay right now last year. All of this was happening. Teenagers and adults were still moving on. College started. New jobs started. God was still blessing folk because somebody 
had the courage to say, I'll go, Lord. Last year, God was still, still giving hope to hopeless people. Yeah, he was still forgiving people who were fallen. The question is, did he come down your street? And did you accept the challenge? God has a new thing for you. Are you willing to accept the new thing that he had? But let me tell you this. If you keep on dwelling on last year and what happened last year, and you're going to find yourself not doing anything that God wants you to do. Watch this. I saw uh, a lot of people write about newness. So you, you can't move forward while looking backwards. Can't do it. No, no. Somebody else said, somebody else said, uh, uh, don't look back because you're not going that way. You're not going that way. And I know we got these folk who, who Google everything and they take all these philosophers and 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 one of one of the one of the more verbal African American leaders says, "You can't move forward without looking back." <laughs> without looking back. In other words, he's saying you ought to know your history in order to move forward, or else you'll be subject to repeat that history. And there is truth to that. But if you keep looking backward as you're moving forward, you'll find yourself going in that direction. There's a problem with dwelling in the past, expecting that you're going to move forward. It won't happen. And then one, 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 one philosopher said, when your past calls, don't answer because it has nothing new to tell you. Nothing. You can't change anything that happened yesterday. And yet we rehearse it over and over and over. It's simply the way we process things. Focusing on the past as good as it may have been, as great as it may have been, tends to blur your focus on what God has you to do moving forward. And so in different stages of life, God brings you new challenges. And I love to tell Young folk who are moving through high school and college, enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Responsibility touches you soon. And suddenly what you've been through looks like it was your glory day. And I came to tell you that that's a lie. It's a lie because there are great days ahead of you. God has wonderful things in store for you. God has blessings ahead of you. You may not have all the freedoms that you used to have. But that doesn't mean you can't have all the blessings that God intends for you to have. God will bless you with all the stuff that you need. Maybe even give you some of the things you want if you put him first. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells you you need to put him first. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. But we meet Abram, who's not known to call on the name of the Lord. We meet Abram, who came out of an idolatrous neighborhood. Watch me now. We meet him who's brand new to the God scene, as far as we know it. It doesn't say in Scripture if some turn had come between his father, Terah, who died when he was 205 years old. It doesn't say that he had introduced worship of the Lord into the household. All we know is on the scene steps Abram. God gives him a direction and he follows it. 
just spontaneous obedience. Now, why are you telling us this, Reverend Sparks? Because Abraham is the father of our faith. Abraham provides the example that God says we all ought to emulate. Abraham is the one that God wants you to follow. And so I came to tell you that this God of new beginnings, new beginnings means you're going to stop doing some of the old stuff you've been doing. You're going to let go of the familiar and embrace through faith something that doesn't feel good. I can't tell you a job I started that I haven't been nervous the first day I showed up. Even if I knew what I was doing, I didn't know the environment I was doing it in. I can't tell you a place I've moved that I wasn't nervous when I started, when I moved there and confused. Even though when I moved, we moved from the, the military in Anniston to Birmingham. I grew up in Birmingham, and yet Birmingham felt unfamiliar to me. I remember the first day I drove onto the post, Fort McClellan. It looked so strange to me because I was used to Fort Polk. Fort McClellan seemed strange for about a week. And then I knew how to get to the Burger King. Come on now. Come on now, you got to. No, there's something settling about finding the things that you need to be okay. There's something settling about knowing how to get your groceries, and knowing how to pay your bills, and knowing how to get from somebody who's important to you. Finding somebody, first of all, who you have something in common with, that's important. But I've also been in a place before when I signed up, and this has analogy to us in Christendom. I've been at a place one day when I was simply enjoying a weekend. I was at the house enjoying Karen. I, I wasn't at church. I'll tell you that right now. I was in the army. And I don't know what we had been doing that weekend, but it was me and Karen and the kids. And I get a phone call. And the phone call came from my superior officer. And he said, you and um, Captain Berg need to get to Fort Hood. I'm in Fort Polk in Louisiana. Fort Hood is eight hours away. And he said, y'all need to get to Fort Hood because XYZ has happened and you need to get there today. He didn't say, I'm going to send a plane around. He didn't say, I'm going to send a helicopter over there. He didn't say, I'm going to send a car to get you. He said, y'all need to get there. Wow. I got a wife. I got two small children. And all of a sudden, the army hits me for real. When they say, you go where we send you, they mean you go where we send you. He didn't want no but, but major. <laughs> he didn't want to hear that. All I said was, yes, sir. And by midnight that night, Captain Berg and I were at Fort Hood, Texas. And I had left my wife. And my children, and this wasn't the same time we were in now. I couldn't call her on the phone while I was driving. We didn't have that. We had a phone at the house, and when I got to the place, I had to find a phone to call her and say, hey, we made it okay. I couldn't even give her a phone number to call me back because we didn't have no cell phones at that time. I had to say, when things get settled here, I'll let you know what's going on. I know the feeling of being unsettled. 
I didn't know my way around Fort Hood, which at the time was the largest military installation in the world. I didn't even know where I was sleeping that night. I know the unfamiliar, the familiarity that comes with just having to get up and move. I'm not even talking about the job I went there for. I'm talking about me and being concerned about my family that I'm leaving behind and having to leave my young wife there to handle all these issues. And can I tell you, I was there for 45 days from that time, 45 days. And of course, I had no car while I was there. We were in Captain Bird's car, thank God, because we only had one car at the time. Karen still had to get the kids to school. She had to do everything that life required before I got that phone call on Sunday. Can I tell you, God comes into your life and he doesn't come because it's going to make you comfortable. Things are going to be difficult for you, but that doesn't mean that there's not a blessing ahead if you will follow him. It doesn't mean that he's not going to take care of you if you will allow him. Some of you have gotten to a place right now in your life. You might be at the place you dreamed about. Yeah. Maybe a place you wanted to reach, but it's not where God wants you to be. Yeah. It, 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 you might be reaping benefits from that place. You might be living a good life. As some folks say, you might be living your best life, but it's not where God wants you to be. Didn't I just tell you, Abram's family was wealthy. And he, and the Lord told him to leave his wealthy family and strike out on the road. Leave all the softness and satisfaction of where you are and go out here where I'm going to tell you. Now, he didn't tell him to do it without making a promise to him. And that's why I want to fortify you in your faith. That God doesn't tell you to do something just willy-nilly. If he tells you to do it, there's a reason he's telling you to do it. And he's going to bless you in the process of doing it. Some people have gotten to their dream place in life, Mason, and, and dream job. They're in a dream relationship, when in reality, some of our dreams were conceived in immaturity. And so the dream job you have was dream without understanding the cost that comes with having that dream job. And it may not be, it might not just be uh, in terms of how much time it takes you away from your family, how much time it takes you away from everything else, but it's your dream job. You're living in your dream house that takes every resource you have in order just to make it happen. And, and, and when something breaks down, you got to go borrow something. To it, it's dream house. Yeah, can, can eat up everything you got, but it's your dream. It's your dream. It's your dream. And some folk just need to wake up from this dream that they've been dreaming because those dreams and experiences were not formed with a knowledge or understanding of the heavy cost. Sometimes we try to hold on to a dream. Anybody ever tried to remember a dream? Wake up in the morning and try to remember a dream? Or, or wake up in the middle of the, dry, in the middle of the night in a good dream and try to go back and catch the dream at that place? Can't find it. Can't put no bookmark on that dream and get right back to it. Yeah, if you were about to meet the love of your life, she's gone. <laughs> she's gone. Yeah, you, you can't even see the car she drove off on. And 
that, that, that's simply the way. But some people try to hold on to a dream and find themselves just sleepwalking. Sleepwalking is an unnatural state. Yeah, you're not fully awake and you're not fully asleep, and it's dangerous. Some people are going through life sleepwalking because they say they're living their best life. And the truth of the matter is you're living a nightmare. And you can hurt yourself and you can hurt other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll fall down a flight of stairs sleepwalking because you're not fully cognizant of what you're doing. And so I told you the Bible doesn't tell us what Abram was fully up to. All I know is the Lord told him to get up and go. So let me tell you this. Abraham got Abram got up and left. Now I say Abram and Abraham, which his name is changed to shortly in the narrative. His wife Sarah, <clears throat> her name is changed as well later in the narrative. But Abraham gets up, or Abram gets up, and the Lord sends him. Let me tell you this: if he sends you, you need to make sure it's him sending you. Is he sending you? Is he the one sending you? Or is it the latest monster.com offer that you got that's sending you there that's made you refocus everything in your life in order to go to this? The question, because if he's sending you, the Bible says in these few verses, these four verses, then God makes big promises. Yeah, he doesn't just inconvenience you for his for his laughter to make merry of your life. He doesn't do that. There's a purpose in him moving you. He says to Abram, when you go, when you give up your family, when you give up your country, when you go to this place, I will make you a, good, a great nation. Wow. If God sends you, he'll supply you. If he sends you, he'll supply you. He says, I will make you a great nation. Now y'all look at me like, okay, I've been reading the Bible a little bit. I kind of know a little bit about this. But put this into context. Abram was almost 100 years old. And his wife was well past the age of being able to have a baby. In fact, not only that, she was barren. But yet God is telling you he's going to make you a great nation. In other words, out of my progeny, will come the making of a great nation, but I haven't had no children, Lord, in a hundred years, and the folk I know around here who are a hundred years old ain't having no babies. And you come up here on this Sunday while I'm watching Wesson telling me I'm about to be a great nation. God says, get up and go. I want you to understand why God says this is the kind of faith that I need you to have, because knowing what he knew, Abram still said yes. Knowing what he was living through, knowing what his circumstances were, he still told the Lord, yes, he still made the agreement. Not only did God say, I'm going to make you a great nation, he said, I'll make you famous. Yeah, I'll make you famous. TMZ going to be about you every night. They're going to be following you. You're going to be bigger than Jay-Z. Everybody's going to know who you are. Bigger than whoever the stars are that somebody want to identify. You can't do this for fame. Can't do what God wants you to do for fame. And not only that, I love this. He said, and you'll be a blessing to others. 
And, and then he gives them a, a, a guarantee almost. Tam, he says, I will bless you. What does it mean to bless you? What, what's the definition of bless? You look at any definition, it means I will resource you. I will give you the material things you need in order to be what we would call successful or great. In other words, just like your dad had wealth over there, you won't even be able to count what I'm going to give you because I am going to bless you with what you need. And not only that, I'm going to take care of you and anybody who curses you along the way, I'm going to deal with them for messing with my people. My goodness, this battle is not yours. This is the Lord. If you belong to him, you don't have to fight those battles. Why? Because he said, I'm going to take care of you. And when folk try to bother you, I'm going to deal with them. It's one thing to deal with you. It's another thing to deal with the Lord. Said, I will surely bless your descendants. If you go, watch this. He validated, this is in chapter 12. You go to chapter 22, and the Lord expands on what he told Abram. Abram. He said, I'll bless you and give you many descendants. How many? He said that as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. You're telling a man who hasn't been able to have one baby to be the father to one child at that point that I'm going to have enough to count? Like stars in the sky and the sand on the sea. This is incredible. And that's the kind of faith God requires. He, he requires someone who can hear a God plan that's incredible and still follow. Still follow. And so if he makes sure it's him that's sending you, if he sends you, the Bible tells me from this scripture that he'll supply you. And I love this. And you, you need to know this, too, that when he is taking care of you, you want God's protection in your life. Because when he's sending you into these places, you want his provision and you want his protection. You want him to be able to watch you. You want him to be able to watch you from all sides. We learn later in the New Testament about putting on the whole arm of God. But what we don't see in the whole arm of God is anything that you put on your back. You need somebody watching your back. And who you want is God watching your back. And what he's saying is, I'm going to take care of you. And not only that, lastly, he'll sustain you. He'll sustain you. Watch this. Watch this. The last verse says, and all the people on earth, on earth will be blessed through you. In other words, they'll receive abundance from my abundance. I'll be able to help my neighbors. That's why you ought to be helping. I'll be able to give to people who are in need. I'll be able to not just help my direct neighbors. I'll be able to help folk in foreign places who need. Why? Because God has blessed me to be able to do that because God has given me enough to be able to support them. And I ought to be looking at ways that I can support people under those circumstances. Why? Because he's been that good to me. Been that good to me. And I love the fact that he says your descendants will be a blessing to the nation. So it's not just me, it's my children and my children's children. And the Lord let me look back. It's not just my great grandson, but my great grandson's children will be blessed all because up here I said yes to the Lord. 
grandchildren that I'll never physically see will be able to bless their neighbors and their friends. All because we started this relationship with the Lord. And then lastly, I want to tell you that this word is powerful, not just for Abraham when he was hearing it. It's powerful today. You need to hear that in all those instances when you and I, when we are called to leave everything we know behind, to relinquish all the comforts that we have, all the securities that we have, to follow God with our eyes closed, to depart on a journey without a map. The journey may be long, sometimes longer than we have notion that it could be, but it's a journey, and it's a journey that may have many ups and downs. God doesn't promise you, and if you follow this, he didn't send them through without anything happening to them. Abram and Sarah were in fear of their lives many times, but nothing ever happened to them. God always took care of them. God always made sure they had everything they were supposed to have. He was true to his word, and just like God was true to his word, Abram and his faith followed him wherever he sent him. Most important promise that you can have from God is that he'll show us the way and he'll be with us as we go. The question is, 2022, do you have faith enough to follow him? Do you have faith enough to go where he leads you? We used to sing this song. We don't sing enough hymns right now. We used to sing this song and says, where he leads me, I will follow. And that implies I'm going to go when it doesn't feel right. When I'm, when I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to go. Not only do we have Abram as an example, we also have another who was in heaven, who was witnessing all of this that was going on. The same one came and decided he was going to follow the direction of his father and come down here and point the way to us, to a new relationship with his father. Guess what? God was true to his word. Abram was the faith leader who started the journey for all of us who are believers as well. Can I tell you this? Abram wasn't a righteous man. He lied. He had problems. But God took his faith and counted it as righteous. Now, somebody in here ought to say amen to that. Abram himself had flaws. Yeah, yeah. He lied. He told his wife to tell everybody she was his sister so he could save his own skin. That was many things. He did that three times. Many things that Abram did wrong. But the one thing he did right was trust the Lord. Follow the Lord. Keep with the Lord's direction. I came to tell you today, nobody's asking you to come in here perfect. That's the greatest example that comes out of this narrative. That God's not looking for perfection, but what he is looking for is obedience. He's looking for trust. And if you are here today and you trust him, he'll lead you into places that might not feel good to you, but it'll be good for you. Will you trust him? Jesus came. Jesus followed the walk of man, even though he was God before he got here. He came to walk it just like Abram walked it. He came to walk it like other folks walked it. And Jesus followed the example of Abram. The only difference being Jesus never sinned. 
And so Abram showed us obedience and Jesus Christ showed us faithfulness. Faithful to the walk. Do you believe in the walk that Jesus gave? Do you believe that he came and died for us? Can I tell you something? Jesus prepared 30 years to work for three. Yeah, some of us think that our whole life's work is supposed to be something that lasts a long time. Can I tell you that life may not be that way? No, the first 40 years of Moses' life was getting him ready for what was going to happen in the last 40 years of his life. Yeah, he had to work 40 years in Pharaoh's court to be able to walk up in Pharaoh's court and be accepted by Pharaoh. And then Pharaoh put him out and his own folk put him out. And he had to prepare another 40 years to be able to do what he did the last 40 and that's lead the people out. Maybe God's just been preparing you to do what he ultimately wants you to do. But he's the God of new beginnings. Will you follow him? This is a new opportunity for you. And all it requires is your trust. Trust in Jesus Christ. He died. Yeah, he died. All of those 30 years preparing for that three-year ministry so that he could go to the cross and die for us. And he did it. And he stayed on the cross. He stayed until heaven was satisfied. He stayed until God was pleased. He stayed until your salvation was obtained. The question is, do you know him? Have you accepted him? Here is my opportunity to extend to you an invitation to be a part of our church family. More importantly, a part of the body of Christ. Today's a great day for a new beginning. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day for you to do so. If you've never been baptized, we'll be happy to do it for you. Baptism is a way of showing the world and the devil, I'm on the Lord's side. If you've never experienced any of that, then here's your opportunity to do it. Maybe you've been looking for another church home. You've identified this one as one that you can be a part of and grow in. Then we extend that invitation to you as well. While T leads us in a song here, doors of our church are wide open. We offer Christ to you, oh my brother. Come on, come on now. We offer Christ to you, oh my sister.